everybody please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Fam, I have some bad news. I didn't get the head coaching job. I sent so so close. I sent so many resumes. I just just emailed. Just I spammed the hell out of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, They did, in fact, hire um, an actual hockey coach, Elaine Vigneault. We will get into a lot of that. That's pretty much the show today, so let's get to the introductions. Let's lead it off with, well, let's start with uh, Steph Licious D. Steph Driver. So, yes, they hired Elaine Vigneault uh, pretty quickly. Um, so a common theme that I've seen this week is that the Flyers made their coaching move too soon. And I'm curious as to who people thought would be available that the Flyers should target. My thought was LaViolette. Is there any, like, credible evidence that he's on the hot seat? No. No. Yeah, it's just kind of... Speculation. Yeah, all the speculation is just like, well, is, if is these Is it teams... Flyers fan speculation? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I think it's more and than it's, us, though. I, I, it's more than us. I think it's just kind of the speculation of guy who's been here a while with high expectations, hasn't gotten it done. Yeah. This is kind of just what happens eventually, but it's not like... Hey, if he doesn't win it this year, he's out. It's just kind of, well, this happens in sports sometimes, and we want him, so maybe. I, so, go ahead. No, I, I know that Elliot Friedman on his 31 Thoughts podcast had theorized, I, I didn't listen, I but, but Kurt did, and Kurt said this in our Slack channel, that they had theorized that Babcock was at least a remote possibility, mm-hmm. and Tortorella was a possibility. Oh, that's not going to happen now. Mm-hmm. They pulled the oh upset. Oh, my God. But those two were thrown out there as like, well, Maybe if things play out a certain way, I don't believe they mentioned Laviolette. Yeah, I can't. I just can't imagine Babcock getting let go. And I can't I, I know the other names that I've seen were John Cooper. Like people wondered about Cooper because if something like this happened, sure, but they gave him that they extension. They just extended yeah. him, yeah. and That's even even happen. though they they got swept, like there's enough excuses as to why, uh, with the Kucherov suspension and with Strawman out. You know, there's 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 enough reason to be like, all right, we can give you another year. They just extended him. And then there's also, you know, I, I saw people throwing around the the mic. Is it Johnson? I still don't know if it's Johnson Sullivan. or Sullivan. It's Sullivan. <laughs> Sullivan, yeah. So Mike Sullivan in, in Pittsburgh, because they also just got swept. Like, he just won two cups back-to-back a, a year ago. Yeah. Like, that's not happening anytime soon. I wouldn't think so. No, we talked about uh, – we talked about – Cooper on Ice Sport Radio, just in terms of it seemed like the timing of that extension was more than anything. Hey, if this goes poorly, it's not going to be like, oh, you failed, you're out. Like it was kind of one of those, we're not going to let this speculation linger. Here's your extension now before the playoffs even start. So we, we got into a lot of that, and I agree with most like, of you. Like, yeah, I wanted an exhaustive coaching search, but end of the day they seem to have targeted this guy and got him i don't like it, it's just the, was the, babcock getting fired no yeah the piece <laughs> to me is not it, it, that confused me the most was not waiting until the playoffs are over like i don't think any of these guys are going anywhere from the athletic.com charlie o'connor so since we're going to be on the subject of coaches today primarily and we had a similar conversation on ice sport radio please listen if you haven't 
uh, yesterday about Barry Trotz. I'm working on it. <laughs> I want to pose a question I've been thinking about for the last few days, mostly because I, I don't really have a concrete answer to this. How good of a coach is John Tortorella? Like, is he actually great? The, the guys won a cup. His teams usually make the playoffs. And he just engineered what might be the biggest upset in playoff history, maybe. The fact that it's a sweep, there's a strong case for it. Mm. But he's also kind of nuts. Yeah, so it's totally like totally nuts. Is he good? Is he not that good? Does he just have incredible highs and ridiculous lows? Like what how good of a coach is he? I'm just, I just I want to pose this to the panel because I really don't know. I think he's a good coach that has a very short shelf life with teams. Like I feel like his shtick like works for a while and then they get up here. And then after a while, it starts to get really old, and then they kind of fall off. But what's the, this is like his fourth year there, and this yeah. is probably the high point of his tenure. Fair. I don't know. He seems to be a, a guy who makes the right adjustments at the right time, and, and he's mm-hmm. he's altered his schemes and his systems to suit the, the current NHL and the rosters that he has. I think he might be a good coach with a really bad attitude. To think that he had the, you know, in that 04 Lightning team looking back now, you can go, oh, damn, that team was great. Yeah. But, like, to go f- with that team and then to continue to have the success he's had, granted he hasn't, has he won another cup? No, no right? No, only one. Yeah, he's only got the one, but he's continued to have success as the game has changed. Uh, a lot like Kelly said, I think he's got a shorter shelf life but the highs and lows of Tortorella I think he especially is built for playoff success as we've seen once it gets into you need to block every goddamn shot well guess what you really do in the playoffs you're like that mentality of of his of his attitude does I think create uh, a culture of postseason success and he just had it now he hasn't had the cup since 04 but I do I do but, think but this, he is very yeah, good. He seems to have been good. And, and there, yeah. was that, there was that stretch, I feel like, at the end of his tenure with the Rangers, where the Rangers got skilled and he still wanted them to play the shot-blocking mm-hmm. style, and then all the good players were like, this is ridiculous, and then he got fired. Because well, they all kept getting yeah. hurt. And then he got fired, <laughs> and then he got hired in Vancouver for that year, and it was a disaster, which everyone should have seen coming because you're going to hire John Tortorella to coach his yeah. games. Yeah, that's going to work. They got Gabrick out there blocking shots, and it's like, <laughs> oh, guess what? He's out for 12 games. There we like, go. Yeah, well, now we can't score any goals either. But, like, it was those two years, I think, that sort of turned turned everyone on Tortorella. Yeah, the yeah. Tortorella, you know, the game is passing by, but he went to Columbus and they've been pretty good and then they did this. No, so you're like, maybe he's actually a very good coach. You look at their playoff failings with him and it's like, well, yeah, they have a top 5 goalie in the league who's putting up a sub 900 save percentage every year in the playoffs and now they got good goaltending out of him and they just swept the team with the most wins um ever. <laughs> so <laughs> he must be pretty good at what he's doing. Last but certainly not least, the fly by herself Kelly Hinkle. So I didn't really have a hot take, but the NHL was nice enough to give me one. Um, or I guess the writers were nice enough to give me one by releasing the uh, Selkie finalists. Which do not include Sean Couturier, to which I say, that's dumb. He was on my ballot. See? hey yo. Because you're good and high smart, enough Charles. to make a difference? I mean, I think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because you, being smart and good, actually consider what a player has done on the ice and not just how many stories were written about him. And Hey, I know Patrice Bergeron's name. I will vote for him every single year. Like you actually did some analysis. I'm assuming to come to your conclusions. Whereas I think a lot of your peers do not do this. 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I, I was happy that <laughs> I, I was happy that Mark Stone got a nomination. Yeah, because I do think that it's, it's un- about time. It's, it's yeah. unfair that wingers just yeah. get tossed aside, especially because I mean, when I was growing up, Yerry Lettinen was considered to be like the best defensive forward in hockey. And he was a winger, and somehow over the last fifteen years, we've just decided that nah, wingers can't get the award. So I like the fact that Mark Stone, who is a fantastic defensive forward and basically plays like an extra center on the ice, yeah. got nominated. I, I'm happy about the, that. The fact that like Marion Hosa retired without ever getting one, yeah, ridiculous. simply because of his position, yes, absolutely, like it's ridiculous, silly. So like, yeah, the Mark Stone one, Couturier, whatever. I'm out on a, I'm out on individual awards. They do nothing for me. Win a goddamn playoff series. How about that? <laughs> Win a playoff series. It just one, just right. just one. Uh, like Kelly, I don't have a hot take, and I think. That that's good because while listen anything that wasn't Joel Quenville was going to be a disappointment and I am in fact disappointed I was in fact disappointed by that I have moved on because that's what well-adjusted adults do I'm told um, you're told yeah yeah that's I don't know that I, <laughs> who among us I'm not one of them but I'm yeah. told that's what I'm supposed to do so I have moved on uh, but Vigneault is. Fine. It's fine. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll want. Maybe he's a great coach. Maybe he's a shit coach. I don't know yet. I do, however, know his track record, and that's where we're going to start tonight. By now, you are all probably familiar with Elaine Vigneault and his accomplishments. While uh, the Stanley Cup is not one of them, the man has won three President's Trophies, uh, one in 2010-11, another in 2011-12, back-to-backs with the Canucks, and then another one with the 14-15 Rangers, which I think is a hell of an accomplishment because those Rangers teams were not good that he won with. I mean, they were fine. They had a great goalie. They were good enough, but, like, best team in the league? I don't know. Two conference championships with the 2010-11 Canucks and, again, with the 13-14 Rangers. Uh, You know, he had the 3-2 series lead, uh, lost in Game 7, outscored 9-2 in Game 6 and 7 with the Canucks. And then in uh, 13-14 with the Rangers, he lost in five. Three of those four losses were in overtime. Two of them were in double overtime. It's like, I don't know if I can put that on the coach when it's just like, as coin flippy yeah, as the NHL playoffs, mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup, God forbid you call them the NHL playoffs. Queen flippy as the Stanley Cup playoffs are, once you get to double overtime, I don't know, close your eyes. So I guess that's just where I want to start. What was your initial reaction? We did this a little on Ice Sport last night, but Steph, you weren't with us, so I'll start with you. Initial <laughs> reaction to the hire. I gotta tell you, I, I was feeling, I was sick earlier this week, so I had taken cold medicine and I took a nap. And I woke up and Elaine Vigneault had already been hired. I didn't get to watch any of this happen live. Um, but when I saw the the screaming text messages on my phone, my first thought was, oh, okay. There's there's nothing good or nothing bad that popped up, up into my head immediately. Just, okay. Um, and then I reached out to the guys who cover the Canucks and the Rangers for SB Nation. So Nucks Misconduct and Blue Shirt Banter. Um, just to get their impressions on, you know, the last 10 years of Vigneault's career. Um, and the Canucks had is some pretty decent things to say. And as expected, the Rangers had some really terrible things to say. Um, and I land somewhere in the middle. Um, and and the, the piece that I think is interesting that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about is goalies and backup goalies tend to have a lot of success in his system. 
yes, he's had two Hall of Fame goaltenders to work with, Roberto Luongo and Henrik Lundqvist. Obviously, two Hall of Fame goaltenders. Yeah. But the backups that have had success, Corey Schneider, Cam Talbot, um, Antti Ranta, Ranta yeah. have all had a lot of success under him and haven't really well, repeated that elsewhere. Yeah. Antti Ranta did in, in Arizona, and then he got hurt. And, but and Snyder had some good years in, in New Jersey. Yeah, oh, and then he also got hurt. Yeah, then he got hurt, too. Um, because goaltending... Guess who's hanging around the Flyers? Cam. 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 Camuel. Yeah. I'm all for that uh, because goaltending is one of those things. Charlie, I read your article. I think it came out today. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you did too. But the myths and the fact or fiction, whatever it was, about things people think about Elaine Vigneault. And like the year he won the Jack Adams, 06, 07 with the Canucks. Uh, yeah, he did a good job. But Roberto Luongo played in all but nine, not even. Like uh, the backup saw action in nine games. I there, It's prior to start data, so I don't know. But the, the backup saw action in nine out of 82 games. So yeah, they, they, like, they wrote he him does hard. lean heavily on a goaltender. Well, I don't, I, he did in the beginning, but then as, as his career progressed, he pulled back a bit, possibly because he had good backups. But in, in that that year, you're right. He absolutely leaned heavily on him. But in, in as his career progressed, he started, you know, not going with a tandem because you're not going to go with a clear tandem when your goalie is Roberto Longo or Henrik Lundqvist. But those guys got the backups got starts. So it's it's an interesting thing that that you bring that up, Steph, because that jumped out at me when I was doing my research. Was that if you look at the numbers, and this was a, a, a heavy criticism from from Rangers fans. Heavy criticism was that. His teams don't have any defensive zone structure. They're awful in the defensive zone. They get gashed for scoring chances. And the numbers back that up in that pretty much every year, going all the way back to his Canucks days, they were not good at at preventing high-quality scoring chances. They were always in the back half of the league. But the interesting thing is, is that they didn't give up a lot of goals, despite the fact they gave up a lot of scoring chances. Now, part of that can be pinned on, as Steph said, you know, you got Lundqvist, you got Longo. They're going to make a lot of saves. But the primary backup over the course of 11 years that, I, that there's there's data that I was looking through because that was when kind of like advanced stats yeah. started being tracked. And that's generally as far as I go back over those 11 years, the primary backup average a 922 save percentage. Sounds so good. It's like, OK, the numbers say they give up a lot of scoring chances, but the backups who obviously are not Hall of Famers were stopping 92 percent of the shots. So maybe the defensive schemes aren't as bad as we think. I don't know. It just it, it, it raises eyebrows. Like I still more lean towards like if you're giving up a lot of shots in front of the net, they're probably high quality chances. But maybe like you guys have talked about going to see um, Briz. And about how Briz was like the style that we played oh, I was, was, like, yeah. was not was not conducive now. to the the way I wanted to play yeah. goal. He wanted to see the shot and have the D men clear the rebound and Lavi was like, We block shots yeah. here. Yeah. He's like, All right, well, I'm gonna fail and he did. And I just think like maybe it's possible that these scoring chances that they're allowing, while to our eyes look really bad actually aren't as bad as we think because he works with the goalies in a way to devise defensive zone schemes that, like, the high-quality score engine aren't as high-quality because the goalies are here's, prepared to stop them more than they would be otherwise. I don't know. It's just a theory. Here's why I'm excited. Because, okay, I, like, I, like, I know 
I didn't realize you were excited. I'm not, I, there's things I'm excited about, and there's things I'm curious about. I, I am very much, like, back and forth, but as, like, I've laid out a lot here about his resume, and we're going to get into it, but it seems like, I, I, I don't know, he, he has this style where he is able to both score a ton of goals and not allow a ton of goals. Like right away I was like, oh cool, they hired Seems Andy. Good. They hired Andy Reid. Awesome. Because what I, I know what I know about Vigneault is he's coached, he's won three presidents trophies. He's been to two cup finals and he hasn't won any of them. So like, okay, he's had some really good teams, but I'm looking at it. He's coached six teams to finish top five in goals against. That's good. One like, yeah, sure. He's had Luongo. He's had uh, like a year where Schneider was even better than Luongo and they were both like 919 or better. He's had Lundquist. 99, 2000 Habs. Like Jeff Hackett. All right. He's a nice little goalie. He was, you know, it's like the upper level of what the Flyers have had. And what I'm excited about is don't we have an upper echelon goalie now? Isn't that? Uh, sure, I don't want to put too much on a 20, 21-year-old, but if he wins with goalies, we got ourselves one of them. We have a large adult son. Kelly, you've had some time now mm-hmm. to like to to think about it. What do you think? Like, What is just your gut reaction on Vigneault? I'm still pretty, like, mm, okay. You know, we got a coach. Cool. Um, I still, I know, like, Steph's initial thought about, you know, what, what are you waiting for if you're waiting? Um, but to me, it did feel earlier than I expected. And I still kind of feel like, well, maybe they could have waited. Or, but in my mind... I was may- surprised, yeah. Yeah, perhaps through the interview process, Chuck Fletcher was so impressed with Elaine Vigneault that he didn't want to risk him being hired by one of the other teams that needs a coach. So he decided to lock him up. And if that's the case, okay, that's fine. If, if I had to guess, and this is just, this isn't like... I heard this from a source. This is just reading the tea leaves of what I've gathered over the last few months, listening to press conferences and you know reading between the lines of what they've said. If I had to guess, I would think that they went into this process believing that they needed a guy who had a significant track record yes. of NHL success. Yeah, I agree and I don't and, disagree. And, and once Q was off the board, it was like, all right, let's just get the guy who's out there who's not named Joel Quenville, who has the longest track record of success, and that was Elaine Vigneault. I was going to say, because I, w- I wanted to ask you, like, was there any, so- like, do we have any other names surfaced of people they've talked to? I believe to? they talked to Tippett. They talked I, I, to I Tippett. Don't, I don't know for sure, but I believe they did at least, I think they at least kicked the tires. Kicked, yeah, well, a lot, of, a lot of that, too, is also whether he actually wants to coach. Yeah, of course, yeah. Like, he's an advisor in yeah, Seattle, so he might, not, he might not want to be a head coach. But I think they at least kicked the tires in that to see if he had interest. Because it, it seems to me as if they kind of viewed Vigneault, maybe not the same as Quenville, just in terms of quality, but the same in terms of if we bring this guy in and he wants the job, we're giving him the job, and if he doesn't, that's when we'll, you know, go the next tier down. It and does that's seem when we like have to... it does seem like the process went pretty quick because that the 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 initial report was from Elliot Friedman on Friday that they had asked for permission because he's still under contract with the Rangers. So you have to ask permission to, to officially talk to a guy. They asked for permission on Friday, and then by Monday he was hired. And Fletcher, in his conference call, basically said that he spent the whole weekend talking to him. So it, I seems will, like it, it seems like he was sold in a couple days. I will say, like, part of my Lindy Ruff rant from last week, part of my, and it wasn't my whole defense, but part of it was, I know they're going to end up with someone worse. 
And I will say I don't feel that that's the case. Like, this is no. definitely way better than Mike Yo. Yes. This is way better than Dan Bilesma. Like, yeah, I don't feel as if we settled for something I'm automatically going to hate. Like, if they had just brought back Scott Gordon, I would have been like, okay, cool. We're going to be on a bubble team again. Like, I do feel that Vigneault has an opportunity to get the most out of this group. But who would have been better? Like, just shaking the tree here. Cues off the board. I've been told that we never had any chance, so I should stop thinking about it. Vigneault with his resume, if like we said on Ice Sport Radio, blank out the names, lay everything out on the table of who's actually available. He's way up there, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, they covered this on Flyperbole earlier this week where Flyers fans wanted Q or they wanted someone else that doesn't exist. Yeah, I felt yeah, personally. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Like, I, I felt personally attacked when they were like, everyone's going to hate it if it's not Q. And I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> right. So it's either. And, and I believe that a lot of people would have been really unhappy with Q after a season or two. Like, I don't think that that would have been the cure all. Um, Listen, we turn on coaches fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm very aware. Um, but it, it seemed like there was nobody that was going to make this fan base happy because they don't exist. Like, even if they brought back La Violette, that would quiet one section of the fan base. But then there would be another section of the fan base that starts screaming about how all they do is bring back you're right. People who are formally oh, no, here, all that, they do is retread. I have and, that show already written up here if they did it. Like, <laughs> try, like, and try, I like La Violette a whole I lot. Know. But I re- like I was thinking about this. I'm like, Chuck Fletcher's our GM. Elaine Vigneault is our coach. This is the most outside we've ever had. It sure yeah. is. We are in some, point. like, and granted, yes, Dave Haxtell out of the box higher, but like, it's Ron Hextall's guy. It coached Ron Hextall is a lifetime flyer. Things are different now, but well. leading up, leading <laughs> we'll up, come to, back eventually. Yeah, he, sure. yeah. If Lindros well. can come back, everyone can come back. That's a good. This is he's like the ultimate warrior, man. Like, did, did everybody everyone, else miss the smear back. campaign against Ron Hextall? Yeah, and all these people will be fired eventually, and he'll come back or die. Yeah, or die, <laughs> yeah. or retire. Yeah, you know, and own the team, whatever. <laughs> uh, like, this is the most outside we've ever been. Again, Steph, you weren't there last. I said, like, I ran through all of our former GM or former coaches' first names. I think of it as a huge step forward that instead of Bill or Paul or a couple of Craigs or Dave, we have an Elaine. Yeah. Like a French Canadian named Elaine Vigneault. There's a silent G in there. Yeah. Silent G. Also, great name for our captain. Uh, oh, no, not he, today. He chirps hey. on the ice. I'm. It's a joke. I love G. I'm joking. Big so, Al. So do uh, to, Big to, Al's funny. Big to, Al from South Philly's funny. To go into uh, kind of my <laughs> thoughts, and this is it, it was interesting because I think part the reason why I I tentatively like, and I'm with you guys in that I'm not. We'll see. I'm not like jumping for joy. I don't think it's a bad hire. I th- I I can envision why it could be a very bad hire. I also could see why it could work. But I think the big reason why I'm tentatively happy with the uh, with the hire is because so just to give some background, when I was in college. Um, when I was in college, it was kind of when I got back into hockey. Um, I sort of, I was really into hockey. Um, and then near the end of my high school years, I sort of got really in, really, really into football and hockey dropped. And I got back into hockey in college because my best friend in college was a big hockey fan. And he was from British Columbia. He was a Canucks fan. So I watched a lot of Canucks games in college. And 
I really love those Canucks teams. Like I and and I think that's part of the reason why I like I have positive feelings towards Vino because I just think back to enjoying watching those teams play as much as I did and enjoying so much about those teams. And it kind of goes back to like like I really, really like Brad, who who writes for BSH. Mm-hmm. He's one of he's one of my favorite in the blogosphere right now. And he hates the hire. He despises okay. it. But the reason why he hates it is because for him, you know, he's like nine years younger than me. He doesn't really remember those Canucks teams. What he remembers is the Rangers teams, which by the end were a dumpster fire. So for him, he's he's looking at Vigneault and he's like, all I remember is being on Twitter and watching Rangers fans every day for four straight years call this guy a moron. I don't want him. Whereas I look at Vigneault and I remember the guy who for four years in college, I watched his teams play and I loved it. And that's those Canucks teams are what I want to get into now because you linked in one of your articles to a uh, an art another piece about why those Canucks teams at the time were like the most hated teams. Oh, in they hockey. were hated. I, I I remember think pieces during their run to the Cup final because like you know how Canadians you know when when it's down to one Canadian team the whole yeah. country kind mm-hmm. of roots for that Canadian team. They were think pieces during that playoff run that like they're not really Canadian. It's no, basically it, Northern no, Seattle. It wasn't that. It was that <laughs> this is the one Canadian team we can't root for because yeah. we just hate them so much because they're so thoroughly unlikable. And that's. One of the things, like I said, I have some things that um, I got to find out about. And I have some things I'm excited about. I really like the attitude of those Canucks teams. When you think about them on the surface, you go, oh, it's Bobby Lou and it's the Sedins and they're a high-skilled team. But when you really dig into it, those were dirty, mean teams. No, Kessler was a piece of yeah. shit. Burroughs was a piece of shit. Yeah, Edler. Edler. Well, oh. yeah, he had his moments. Bieksa had his moments. Yeah, Bieksa, dudes who played with an, and they're good players, but they're dudes who played with an attitude. And while I don't think you need to go grit it up, I don't need, think you need to do, like, you don't need to trade Hall for Larson to have playoff success. That's dumb. But I think you do need to have good players who play with a goddamn attitude to win in the playoffs. I don't disagree. And I think he brings that. I think he gets that out of his guys. When I look at his teams, he's always got like nine 30-point scorers, some top-end guys, and they're all gathering a decent number of penalty minutes too. And I think you need the combination. You need to play with, as uh, as Mike Myers would say in his Don Cherry uh, Don Cherry parody in, in – uh, Mystery Alaska. You need that big bag of knuckles in front of the net. Like you need both. It's not uh, nothing but block shots, but you do need that style to be a part of your game. And I think he brings that. And reading that article you linked to is one of the things I got excited about. So I have a a question for Charlie. Actually, now that you've done you know a whole bunch of research into his past teams and where they were successful and where they weren't, do you see this Flyers team as it's currently constructed? Closer to the Vancouver team that he coached or closer to the Rangers team that he coached? I see it as closer to the Vancouver team. Yeah, so do I. And I think that that is – I think that's key because we've talked a lot about how he had some really bad habits roster-wise in New York. And he did. Absolutely. And I'm I'm thinking that he's not going to have – as much of that option here. He's not really going to have the option to play shitty vets over kids, especially on forward, because most of our forwards 
are young players. And that's very much to me, like we, we talked about with Hackstall forever. Like, yes, I want to blame Hackstall for all the ills of the world. However, like Notre Dame burning Dave Hackstall. <laughs> like, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Like, I want to, but it was on Ron who enabled him. Yeah. Like, when you, I'm not going to make that joke, but you can't enable him in that way. And I hope Chuck Fletcher, uh, I hope Chuck Fletcher doesn't do that. Steph, I want to get to your thing that your article now that you wrote uh, when you spoke. I wrote two. I want to talk about the one where you spoke with Joe Fortunato from Blue Shirt Banter. Uh, First, I just, do you know if he's any relation to the Nashville product uh, prospect Brandon Fortunato? Because he's from New York. He would have told me if he did. Uh, I just, That'd I, be pretty cool. I don't know. That would be cool. I, I'm just curious because he's from New York. This is a New York blogger. Well, Joe lives in Does, Connecticut. Oh, well, all right. Never he's mind. He's bougie. Okay. Uh, hmm. So what were your main takeaways from uh, from that talk you had with uh, the with Joe? Huh, that there's a lot of bad blood there. There is. There's yeah, a lot they, of bad it blood. Was vitriolic. Yeah. They do seem I liked very it. They angry about him. They fucking hate him. Yeah, I, 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 got, very, I, very I got a real angry. kick. Like, this this was this was my takeaway. So there was somebody in the comment section basically was like, man, this guy sounds like he has narcissistic personality disorder and was serious <laughs> about it. But, like, my thing was not that, like, my takeaway of reading that was not, man, Elaine Vigno has narcissistic personality disorder. My takeaway was that, man, you painted the picture of a guy who has narcissistic personality. Yeah. I don't think he actually does, but that's how much you hated him, that you're literally painting him as if he's a sociopath. Like, I don't yeah. think I hate Dave Hacksaw as much as I hate Elaine. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I don't like, know. If people I don't, were asking me kind of strong close. feelings. I don't know. I, like, I just he, hate if, the way. If Dave Hackstall got another NHL job and someone was like, tell would... me about how yeah. how he is with young offensive talent, I'd be like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> Do not true. trust this bastard. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I don't know if it would be, like, I just blame, like, I want to blame Hack for everything. But like I said, there's so much, like, I don't know. You re-signed Brandon Manning twice. That's I, not Hack's I fault. would probably, well, that's, that's <laughs> don't the Don't do that. So there, there's obviously a lot that went wrong in New York especially towards the end. So I think that there's a lot of recency bias there. And it went really wrong really quickly. Um, That being said, you know, we were all kind of waiting for the Rangers to fall off the cliff. That's that's my thing with those Rangers teams is they stunk. Management didn't really help anybody out by trading away a lot of the good players. So there there's a lot there's a lot going on there. And they play in a train station. Yep, they oh do. I, I love that you're bringing that now, in. You know, Stella. I just I have to I have to remind people they play in a train station. Outside William of the Brown. outside of the just anger and venom that Joe <laughs> seemed to have for Vigneault, something I looked into was his team's possession stats, and because they're like the picture is being painted as if they're getting gashed, uh, like freaking Luke Shen style here, and they were by the end. They were by the end. The first three years in New York, the Rangers were 49.76 Corsi 4 percentage. That's break even. And the, fir- and, and the first year, they were very good. Yeah. And then I go back to his Canucks teams. His second year with uh, his second year in Vancouver, uh, this is as far back as natural stack trick will go, 07 08. 22nd in Corsi 4. Okay. 08 09, 15th. That's a big improvement. 09 10, 10th. 10th 10 11, 6th. 11 12, 7th. 2013, 11th, and that's his last year there. So top half of the league, top 10 for a lot of the years. Like, 
I don't know that he, good players tend to have the puck more. I think you just need more good players. Yeah. And the other thing about the young players, and this is something Charlie got into a little, and I looked at just his last year, uh, his last or his second to last year, seventeen eighteen, or yeah, his last year with the Rangers, seventeen eighteen, uh, where it's oh, all he did was play vets who stink. I looked at the ice time leaders. I wanted to just look at the numbers here. Let's look at the defense. Okay, McDonough led all defensemen in ice time. With uh, He's 28 years old, 23.55, but McDonough's pretty good, so it makes sense that he led the league or he led the team in ice time. After that, Neil Pionk, 22, 22-23. Like, Brady Shea's 23 years old, 21.02. And then Kevin Shattenkirk was fourth. Like, and it's not, you know, Vigneault's fault that they went out and got Shattenkirk and then he stunk. Like, he was a 55-point player before that. He's 29. Like, I'm looking at the numbers and going, these. he leaned on these young guys. Two of his top four are 22 and 23. So, yeah. And um, then I look at the offense and it's the same thing. One, two, three, four of his top six are 26 or younger. My favorite fact about the rangers that kurt reminded me of that people have kind of been throwing around but not so much is that in the last you know the la- pretty much all of elaine Vigneault's career with the rangers they didn't have a first round pick yeah they didn't have a first round pick for who four are years these great young talents yeah. like that's what i want to get to is also this pavel bushnevich thing because that that's the he's big the black he's mark. the big example yeah, he's the big he's example. the shining example and i think you linked to this story charlie i'm not sure i don't remember but it, this is a story where basically Bushnevich is back in Russia and he's playing in the World Championships and he's just killing Vigneault, oh, he basically. Him, yeah. yeah, he's killing him. And you know what? It's like, oh, he got his ice time cut and all this. So in 2017-18, as a sophomore under Vigneault, Bushnevich averaged 1501 TOI and put up 0.58 points a game. The following year, now that the evil, oppressive Elaine Vigneault is gone, as a third-year player... He averaged 15-10 a night and put up 0.59. That's right. And a a jump of 14 seconds and one one one-hundredth. Maybe, maybe Vigneault was saying fight for the puck more because this guy's just soft and he's not that good. Is that nine seconds? Nine seconds. Nine seconds. seconds. Yeah, not even 14. Nine seconds a night. Nine seconds a night and .01 points a game. He jumped. Oh, wow, yeah, it was Vigneault holding you back. Not that maybe you're just soft. Or, maybe ju- or, he- or just not that good. Yep. Like, maybe he's just an okay player, and he's not great. And Rangers fans, because he was literally their only prospect yeah. that had the, that they thought had the potential to be great, and then when he wasn't, it was like, blame the coach. I think that a lot of, like, there's some things about Vigneault that scare me. I'm not terribly concerned about the young players thing. What I what I more picked up about the young players thing is this. It's that if you give Vino the choice between a veteran player who is bad but he trusts and a young player who might not be bad but probably sucks, you just don't know, he's going to go with the veteran. You're describing and, every NHL coach. And, 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 that's, yeah. and that's the thing. Like I get why it's frustrating. I get why it was frustrating when yeah. they're like, Dan Girardi's obviously terrible, and Adam Clendenning might suck, but he might be good. I get why that's frustrating. We yelled about those sort of things a lot with Dave Haxall, so I get it. I really do. But the fact of the matter is that a lot of the players that fans in Vancouver and New York scream that they deserve a chance, 
they got chances in other places, and those organizations agreed with Vino that these guys are AHLers. And I, I'm not saying that like maybe you're you're extracting a little bit more value out of your team by playing Adam Clendenning over Dan Girardi. Very possible. But it's not moving the needle that much because Adam Clendenning isn't that good. Yeah, you were going to lose that night either way. This is like, not that's... like a Brandon Manning who was playing every night and other coaches over Travis Over Travis Sandheim is actually like, good. Yeah, that's the thing is. And, and other coaches have decided, I do not want him in my own. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing is. I do not want him on NHL ice. Like, Sandheim is like our Buchnevich with Hackstall, and then we see Sandheim become the team's best defenseman yeah. once he leaves, yeah. and it's, oh, well, yeah, he was yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe, and that's, uh, I, I just, I'm actually talking myself more into Vigneault I know. as this I, show I like goes. it. It's interesting, because you need to talk these things out. You now, really do. I, I do. I, this I am is my also, therapy, like listen, I always say. I'm apprehensive as well, because... We're we as Philadelphia fans are really close to what happened in New York. Now yeah. Yeah. we all hate the Rangers, and we all eh. we all hate the Rangers, and they play in a train station. Um, I hate their stadium more than anything. <laughs> it's an arena. So we thing. rejoiced in their failure. So we're really close to what happened there, and we laughed about it. We know what happened. We know less about what happened in Vancouver than we do about what happened in sure. New York. And, like I said before, it burned so bright and so fast. Yeah, much like the fires set by Vancouver fans when they lost in Game 7. Right. Oh, God. The funniest that riot happened. ever. That was a fun The funniest fun riot, riot ever yeah. when they came back oh the next morning to clean up. Mm-hmm. One last that thing to so put Canadian. a bow on the young so, players' so that's, talk. I mean, that's just yeah. it. Like, we know... We know what the absolute worst case scenario is. Yeah, because yeah, we saw it. We saw it. Yeah. We saw it, and, and we took joy in it. Um, and and I think there's also an element of the stuff that they complained about when it came to Vino was so close to the stuff we complained about mm-hmm. when it came to Hackstall that you're just like, oh god, we're going through this again. No, yeah. people. That's the fear. People that's have the fear. People have the preemptive fear of, oh great, another hack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is back, fair. Which but, is totally just real fair. quick before we go move ahead, on. Go ahead. Back to the articles that I wrote about the Vancouver and the New York perspectives. The the one thing that they had in common was if he's learned from his experiences, he'll do well. Yeah. They both said that. So that's kind of it's a little it's a little bit of a red flag. Like this is a guy who's very stuck in his ways. But if his if his ways are good and lead to success, like, that's fine by me. Yeah, like I'm gonna read. So I, I texted my buddy uh, yesterday about the, my my buddy the Vancouver oh, look fan. At you with friends and his uh, <laughs> his his responses were this: choice makes sense. Just don't let him anywhere near Tanner Glass. Still probably the best head coach Canucks have had in a long time. So like <laughs> yeah. Canucks fans generally oh, speaking, bar, like but... yeah, there's a little bit of like. Yeah, you know, there's some bad, but generally speaking, there's still positive feelings. He still took them to a cup final. He still made that team consistently very good for about six or seven years. They like him. Rangers fans obviously hate him. Right, and, and Canucks fans are insane. Oh, they're yeah. nuts. Oh, yeah. It's it's still Canada. I mean, again, we said they burnt down their city. They burnt down the city, <laughs> and they still hold a grudge against Messier for going to their team. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good one, actually. That I is know. a good one. Uh, just to put a bow on the young players thing, because I think this is an important point to make. Development time is over. Now, guys are still going to grow up and get better as they age until they're prime. That's fine. But, Charlie, much like what, what happened with the Phillies today, 
Nick Pavetta doesn't get to learn on the job anymore. If yeah. you suck, you go to Allentown and suck. We're going to replace you with somebody. Yeah. Travis Konechny has to be a consistent player. Like, Limblom has to be a consistent player. Sanheim has to be a consistent... These are no longer first- and second-year guys. These are third-, fourth-, fifth-year guys. Our young guys aren't teenagers anymore. This isn't, oh, well, let's get them some ice time and see if they're any good. No, no more of that. You're good or you are gone. We've done the development thing. That's over with. So I'm not as concerned about that element of the Vigneault uh, criticism just because... That unless like Morgan Frost dazzles in training camp and makes this team, that part is over with now. We're through that part. Yeah, I I do think that was because I said at the start of the show that I believe that they came into this thinking we need the guy with the best track record, and I think what you said goes back to why, because I believe that there's a feeling, right or wrong, and I lean more towards it being right. There's a feeling that. In order to get these guys to do what we want them to do, it needs to be coming from a guy with clout. Yeah. And I think they learned that via Scott Gordon, where it's like Scott Gordon is telling them the right things to do. They like him as a person, but guess what? They ain't doing it. And they're probably not doing it because Scott Gordon is an interim head coach who's never succeeded in the NHL. Maybe they'll listen to a guy who has succeeded in the NHL and has been there for years, and they've, they these guys have literally grown up watching his teams play hockey. I believe that was a driving force behind the idea of we need someone with clout. And I think that's why they went this route. I don't think you're wrong. Um, I, I think that you know, everything that I've heard is that this is this is a guy who – I, I wouldn't say has has an attitude like Tortorella because nobody has an attitude like Tortorella, but it's just not going to take your shit and, and isn't going to take the shit from the media and isn't going to take your shit from the team and, yeah. and isn't and isn't a player's coach. He's not soft and he's not going to explain to you why you only got six minutes of ice time. You just got you got six minutes yeah. of ice time. Get your shit together. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard. And that is actually a concern of mine. I've heard that the communication not really there. Yeah. Like he just kind of delegates. He just kind of does things. From what I And I've... you sort of have to figure out why he did them. And that cons- that that's actually one of the things that concerns me more than most, but at the same time I'm willing to give him a shot because that's all anecdotal. Like yeah. there's no there's no proof of that. That's just what you hear from players who didn't like him. Yes. Also, I and I I think I said this in the Slack chat. I I feel like maybe this group has been coddled a little too much. Like maybe they need maybe. A, a kick in the ass from a guy who's not a player's coach. I think, and they, I know Haxtell wasn't a player's coach, but I also don't think he was authoritarian. Well, it just wor- that, really? th- and but this is, goes back to why it worries me. But is I don't think Hack was a good communicator at no. all, and I'm just worried you're replacing a, a one bad communicator with another bad communicator. Well, the hope is is that Vigneault has another tool in his toolbox other than I'm going to sit you in the press box for a game. You would hope. I, I do hope. I hope that there's there's some other coaching mechanism going on there other than your bench. And from what I've heard, he from what I've read and heard, again, anecdotal, like Charlie said, he delegates a lot of that explanation responsibility to his staff. Has there been any mention of the staff? Because they can't possibly come back with if these If they no. keep Ian LaPerriere, I'm going to lose my mind. The, He's a player's coach. Basically what Fletcher said was that we're going like we talked about staff and he's going to like me and him are going to make that call. Okay. But I get I, I tweeted this after they made the hire. Like you don't hire a guy with 16 years NHL experience 
give him $25 million and then say... And the Perrier, here you're, you yeah, go. Yeah, like, you have to keep all the guys we got. Yeah. Like, they're going to let him bring in his own guys. Now, granted, he may decide to keep one or two. Maybe one, maybe two. I don't think he's going to keep them all by any means. He may decide to keep one, possibly two. But I do believe he's going to bring in... I think Bill Meltzer said that he's always brought in at least one assistant coach with head coaching experience. So who knows who that means? You might get your boy, Lindy Ruff. Yeah, which that's I, been a thing. Which, which yeah. I actually... Oh, I've heard that. I've, I've, I've I heard actually that would hate that was my because next. he apparently was really bad at coaching defense with New York. Well, I, I have a feeling that they might keep Rick Wilson. Now, that, I could see it. Again, see it. here's... like again, The coach matters. Obviously, coaches matter. Look no further than the New York Islanders. Coaches matter. However, the assistant defensive coach of the New York Rangers bring Fred Shiro back from the dead and give him Albert Einstein's it's brain. He's fair. not going to make that team any fucking good. They stink. Look at their blue line. Right. They stink. Yeah. <laughs> He's I, not, he there, can't. There's truth to that. Herb Brooks couldn't make that team good because they're not. Like, again, just bad. again, again. <laughs> yeah, again. No, I just turned it over again because I'm not good at hockey, coach. Like, all right, Charlie, there's something in one of your articles, the Fletcher's justification for Vigneault. Uh, and I just want to ask you some questions here about your your three, uh, your three the three points you made. Uh, one of them being must share Fletcher's overarching philosophy. Do we know what that is? No, we don't. We, we don't, but that's... It's it that was more a checkbox for Fletcher, not really yeah. a checkbox yeah. for us, because yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. know what he thinks. He knows what he thinks, I and just, I guess he's found the guy who he believes thinks at least on the same wavelength, so they can construct a team together. But no, I have no idea what Fletcher's overarching philosophy is, other than he wants to compete every year. I don't right. think we're gonna know until he makes his first real move. I would agree with that. Yeah, and even then, I don't. I... We'll see. We'll at Just least get an idea of what he's prioritizing. Yeah, yeah, what he prioritizes, what kind of player he likes over another kind of player. I don't know. This thing we've touched on already, but I must communicate well with his players. Man, when I read that, it's just... Steph talked about the smear campaign against Ron. I feel like at every turn... They're uh, just saying, yo, a hack sucks. Oh, they're burying hack. With, yeah. with, without saying his name, it... It blew me. I don't know if I said this in the last show, but it blew me away during those interviews with Gordon yeah. and with Fletcher. How, without ever mentioning Dave Haxall, how they buried Dave Haxall. Basically, that just like this whole team is a disaster, and we had to fix it from the ground up. And it's like, okay, well, if you had to fix the team from the ground up, then the guy who had it before must have done a pretty bad job. I, we for one, I'm just shocked. <laughs> we were on to something. And people called us wrong and yeah. haters. And what else? People still defend him on Twitter, which know, is wild it's, to me. It's got to be Dave's burners. Yeah. Uh, and finally, must have the ability to implement, implement that's a word, there you go, <laughs> the necessary changes in mindset to this roster. Well, this goes back to what I said about yeah. they wanted to get somebody with clout. What does this mean for the current long-tenured players? Like, what is the problem? Like, as much as I don't want to blame the core because there are only actually good players, there is something there because there are a lot of things wrong with this team. But there's something with this group. And by that, I mean G, Jake, Coots, Ghost. Those are our, that's our core, right, of guys who've been here a while. I guess you can throw pro for all, but I, it's only three in seasons. In all honesty, I, I don't know if I'd even include Ghost. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying he's going to get traded. I'm just saying I look at the core. When I think core, I think G, Voracek, Kateria. That, to me, is the core. I think Ghost has been here long enough. 2015, I mean, this time last year, we were, call, we were calling him part of the core. This time last year. I, I guess when I say core, I mean, like, leadership core. Okay. 
Yeah, I think the guys any, that everyone looks to looks to yes, but I think anyone who's got the number of games played as as Ghost and the accomplishments that he has in terms of the numbers, and he's you know been in the playoffs a couple of times. I feel like you automatically assume some sort of leadership role, regardless of whether you're that guy or to, not. To a degree, I guess my argument is this. And maybe this is partially biased because, like, it has happened to him, so it doesn't have its quite the same effect that it would if he hadn't happened to him before. If it's 10 games into next season and Shane Goss's bear gets scratched, like, we're going to be mad, but we're not going to— it's not going to be like, oh, my God, like, th- this is unprecedented. If one of Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, or Sean Gatoria okay. gets scratched, that is like— an, right. that that's an earth-shaking thing. And, I... and in my mind— for you to be part of the core, if you were to get removed from a game, okay. it has to be earth shaking. Yeah, I, I see, I see the difference that you're saying, but I'm still gonna burn shit down if Ghost. Well, yeah, scratched. of course you. Uh, are. You know what? <laughs> I mean, it just it it's dumb. If it's ten games in and Ghost looks like he looked this year, I have no problem with it because it's put up or shut up time for fifty three. He's supposed to be part of this thing. I, I, I be guess, good. I guess what be I'm good. I guess what I'm saying is that yeah, yeah, if, I know, if, if I know you scratch Ghost is. for a game, you're yeah. sending a message to Ghost. If you scratch one of those three for a game, you're sending a message to the team. Uh, I, yeah, yeah I, I see the distinction. I see the <laughs> distinction. <laughs> Imagine scratching Jake Voracek. For oh, he game. would be very upset. He wouldn't be happy. <laughs> oh, no, that would... Char- oh my God! I would kill no, we're to not- be you. <laughs> I would kill to have locker access if if Jake got scratched. I can't imagine he would stay. He would have an argue. They get in a fist fight. <laughs> He'd get in a fist fight with the coach. <laughs> so let's not do that. I, I kind of want. He'd it. get in the shower um, and walk out. Big like Al, them. don't do that. I would just look like Jake in the press box cracking beers, just like, <laughs> just like talking That'd shit. Be awesome. Yeah, just, like- just criticizing the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> nice line change, dorks. Yeah. Has his tie around his head. Like, not fucking doing it. Oh, my God. That'd be the coolest thing ever. We're not doing it, Big Al. (laughs) Don't do it. So we've spent a lot of time talking about, uh, you know. How much time do we have left? uh, Like 10 minutes? Yeah, like 10 minutes. Um, We spent some time talking about Vigneault and what his possible quirks are and his past and all that. I'm going to talk about what he actually coaches, the way his teams play. What do we know about Elaine Vigneault's system? It's offense. Like, like oh, the, tell me again, time. Charlie. Tell Seriously, me again. Say it slow. His whole system is predicated upon the idea of generating quality scoring chances. Like that. That is, and that's why I don't. I don't necessarily love like the people who are just burying him because they hated his system in New York. And my reasoning is this: his systems in Vancouver and New York were different. And I do believe he's the type of coach that will adjust his system based on what he thinks his team is best at. Now, once I, I, I believe that once he has an idea of what he thinks his team is best at, he doesn't change it from there. But I don't think it's just I don't think this is a Laviolette situation where he just he has his system and either you can run it or you can't. And if you can't run it, sorry. I was just like, saying, like, like Lavi didn't as much as I love Lavi, like he was running the same system when he had Pavel Kabina and Curtis Foster, yeah. and it was like, yo, yeah. Kabina can't and, turn around. And that could that could potentially be a problem, maybe, but my I guess what I'm saying is that they did different stuff in New York as compared to what they did in Vancouver. Vancouver was much more of a puck possession. We're going to set up in the offensive zone and cycle you to death team. The Van- the Rangers teams were much more of a 
collapse, and then try to burn you in transition. And I think it was partially because in Vancouver, he had the Sedins who thrived on cycling and just killing you. Cycle, 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 throw it out front goal. Exactly. Whereas in New York, he had a team that wasn't maybe super duper skilled up front. So for him to get those quality chances, he kind of had to get him with odd man rushes and transition and stuff like that. So I think what he's going to do is he's going to look at what he has with the Flyers, and he's going to build a system around what he has, and then that's going to be his system. And then maybe if the pieces change, he might not be well-equipped to then adjust based on what pieces change. But I think he's going to build a system that's probably going to be a bit different than it was in New York. But what I do think is going to stick is this emphasis upon high-quality scoring chances because that's been an emphasis both in Vancouver and with the Rangers. I I really think that the days of perimeter point shots are going to slowly come to an end as he tries to break the habits of the I was going to say, if the Flyers need anything, it's how to get high-quality yes. scoring chances. And I think yeah. he's going and, to put a, yeah. a primary like, focus on that. I, I talked earlier about the teams he's coached six different teams that finished you know top five in goals against he's also coached six different teams that have finished top five in goals for now the 9 10 10 11 and 11 12 canucks they're kind of self-explanatory you know the sedines uh and some depth every one of those teams had nine plus eight plus players with like 30 points uh the 9 10 team had eight players with 42 or more points but the 97 98 habs let's go all the way back there Mark Recchi's the leading scorer with 74 points, 10 guys with 32-plus. The 14-15 Rangers, third most goals in the league. Rick Nash led the way with 69 points. Nice. Nine guys with 33-plus. And the 16-17 Rangers. There is no reason the 16-17 Rangers should have had the fourth most goals in the league with Matt Zuccarello leading the way with 59 (laughs) points. But there they are, 11 guys with 34-plus points. When I'm looking at what he does, when you talk about the cycling, especially the way that they possess the puck in Vancouver, I'm looking at Lindblom, I'm looking at Voracek, I'm looking at Patrick and thinking, this could be huge for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the... Um, and think, the emphasis on speed as well. I think one of the best ways to understand just how much of an emphasis he places upon generating quality scoring chances is this. The last year of his tenure with the Rangers obviously was a disaster. That team was bad. Everything was going to shit. I'm talking 2017, 2018. It was bad stuff. They did not have a good team. They still, the Rangers at 5-on-5, even in that year, even with that roster, had more high-danger scoring chances per 60 at 5-on-5 than any team in hockey. And that was with that group. That should show you that, like, he places an emphasis upon, like, you could be taking shots from nowhere else because yeah. you never have the puck. But but the one thing you're going to do, you're going to damn well create create chances in high danger areas. Maybe at the cost of everything else in your game, but you're going to create high danger chances. Uh, and I, Go ahead, Steph. Well, what you mentioned with speed is is definitely something that I've heard. And the also, stretch passes, the, the yeah. slingshot get, plays at five on stuff, just get guys moving through the neutral zone. I'm all about it. Activating the defense and getting them involved in the rush is is something that I've heard he's done with both of of the teams, the Rangers and the Canucks. And that's another thing when Charlie said, like, maybe it's at the expense of some defense that he generates offense. The fact that he wants his D involved and he doesn't want them involved from 60 feet away and... I think like I think this could benefit our defense greatly, and I think it could work because that's something that came up in your article with Joe Fortunato. Yeah, yeah. If you have the right pieces, his system works. Well, 
Say what you will about our defense, especially the way they play in their own zone. There's one thing I know about Provorov, Ghost, Sanheim, and Myers, and it's that those four motherfuckers can skate. They sure can. They might not be able to do a ton of other things, but they can definitely skate, and they can create offense. Myers, we're kind of projecting, but the other three have created a ton of offense in their periods of time in this league. Hell yeah. So this could work. Again, there's some things you worry about, but... If Hart is what he is, and these guys skate the way they can skate, I think this system could be very good for them. I have concerns. Oh, certainly. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah. I have concerns that he's not going to like them. He's not going to like my boys, <laughs> is what I sound like. Um, I just I have concerns that he's going to want an Andrew McDonald to play like a Travis Sanheim, and is going to expect that he can. But I think that might be my Dave Hackstall fear showing. Well, I think the big concern, and this this really, like, if you really want to boil down, I think if you really want to boil down, number one, where a lot of the New York hatred started. And if you really want to boil down what a lot of the fear of Flyers fans surrounding Elaine Vigneault, what it really boils down to is two words. Dan Girardi. Yeah. People are obsessed with his usage of Dan Girardi. That is where, because lest you forget, the Rangers, the first two years under under Lane Vigneault, got to the cup final and won the President's Trophy in the second year. Like, at one point, Rangers fans liked him. But Mm -hmm. I really believe the turning point was that he just refused to take Dan Girardi off the right side of of, uh, Ryan McDonough. And then everything else kind of stemmed from that initial frustration because then, because Girardi was there, that made the fact that Tanner Glass couldn't get out of the lineup even worse. Because then it wasn't just one thing. It was that in addition to this Girardi mess. And everyone— It's McDonald and Vandeveld. Yes. So basically it's like everyone who's a Flyers fan is looking at this just cannot forget the fact that it's like, but he just loved Dan Girardi. And we have two guys in Andrew McDonald and Robert Haig who could be the next Dan Girardi. And that's where a big part of this fear comes from is that— he falls in love with these vets sometimes who are bad and just decides that they're good and will not hear anything to the contrary. And that's a concern. It's Which, a legitimate concern. Oh, but that's where Chuck Fletcher comes in. Like yep. He yes. needs to yes. optimize the roster such that he does not have these toys to play with. Yes. Andrew Agreed. McDonald cannot be on this team next he year. He really can't be. Uh, you no know, Robert, Haig, Robert be. Haig is here. I get it. If they use him as a third pair guy or in my mind a seven, whatever. I mean, he can but, skate too. Yeah, I, no, he can skate. Maybe you can optimize him if if he's your Dan Girardi you could probably do a lot worse maybe I don't know there maybe was he that, just like stinks. five minutes but that he didn't look terrible so maybe we can get he him was the that. only <laughs> good player in October yeah. Robert Haig was the only good flyer <laughs> good for the first October. month of the season he was good in October <laughs> um I listen uh, yeah McDonald whether it's cover half of his salary and trade him or buy him out they said they're they don't foresee any buyouts right that was something no that was I, I, I kind of like he was into it. I think he oh. opened the door more. He what he basically said is that I don't like buyouts. Yeah. But give me five weeks to see what my cap situation okay. is. Okay. And I feel like if he was definitely if he was definitely going to keep McDonald, he would have he would have said what he said about what what, what Hexall said about Laterra last year, which was I told him we're going to keep him. Yeah, things could change, but I my ex interview I told him he's coming back. And lo and behold, he came back. The fact that Fletcher did not say that publicly leads me to believe, especially the fact they just got Elaine Vigneault, who is a 16-year veteran who's coming in because he thinks this team is going to win the Cup. 
Fletcher said, basically, I'll buy him out if I need cap space. I think they're going to need cap space. I think so, too. I think they are going to need some cap space. Matty Douche, here we go. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, I'm going to call him that nonstop, too. Oh, no. good. I don't necessarily <laughs> hate it because we know He's my feelings on Matt Touche. Exactly. It's good for everybody. It's fun to say. Uh, yeah, but no, Andrew McDonald seriously can't be on this team at all. No, I don't care. I, 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 think you I have don't to buy care him. the means by which you get rid of him. Yeah. You just need to get rid of him. Agreed. All right, everybody. That's it. We did it. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you so much for hanging out. What you, I didn't even get to rejoice in the Penguins getting swept. Oh, that was fun. That was it, 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 like, I know everybody is talking about how the lightning got swept, and that's the big story, but it makes my soul feel so good because the it Penguins could, also got this, swept. I expect the lightning to be like Stanley Cup contenders again next year. This might be it. I'm hoping for the beginning This might the be it for the Pens. It may not be, but yeah, right no, they now, could, they could figure this out. Right real now, quick. this second, my soul feels so good. Yeah, I'm. It's, it's so nice. It's. I, I just need. I just need Tavares versus the Isles in the in the in the conference final. That's what I need. That would be fun. Oh my god! All right, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Do it. It's good Smash. for you. It's proven to cure heart disease. Uh, my name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Steph, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you- 